My name is Jack Oway. And I'm Jay Oway. And welcome back to Like Dragon, Like Sun, episode something. Um, it's been, a lot's been coming out. Um, hello from quarantine again. Uh, I hope you're all doing well. I mean, generally, you know, I don't want to dwell on it for too long. But there's a lot to talk about and there's a lot of content being released for D&D nowadays. Yeah, um... D&D themselves have been putting out uh, free content. Uh, they were putting out something new every day mm-hmm. last week. There's a new tab on D&D Beyond called Quarantine Resources. A bunch of stuff there. New adventures, new things every day. Um, lots of family-friendly activities as well, which is always um, good news. You and I both uh, later today have games online planned. We're playing a lot more in that sort of environment. I think everybody is these days getting used to that. Mm. Um one of the first things we want to talk about today, since we're, you know, living the new normal, um, how do you feel about digital dice? I haven't, well, I mean, I have used them in the fantasy ground setting, which seems like it was created far too long ago. The UI is is difficult to learn, and it's a struggle, also because I have a bit of a wonky trackpad. But still, I have difficulties with digital dice and rolling them and trying to figure out like anytime I have to drag something across my stream or across my screen it's always been annoying and it's it's I'd rather just roll physical dice I'm I'm physical over digital yeah there's there's nothing better than the clackety clack it's not even the clackety clack it's just the ease of it you know because it's just too challenging to roll the sound, the thud factor. Of it's not metal. even a thud because they can add sound effects to yeah, the, digital you know dice. I mean, metal dice. They just there's something that feels. <sighs> I've I've never cared about the feel of it. It's 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 just easier. It's less. It's it's not it's not inconvenient. Um. But what about what about the ones like uh, I started building on Tailspire uh, the other day. Uh, Tailspire is a new sort of three D map making app that allows you to roll the dice almost in like a physical sort of way like you can roll them on the train like if you build a house you can drop the dice on the roof and they bounce down onto the ground um it's sort of like something kind of satisfying about seeing them like the little polyhedrons bouncing around is that better than just say something that like rolls like uh like a bot we were i was doing that in a uh, Discord server where we would just type exclamation point roll and then the dice numbers and then boom it would give you a number which I don't know like there's something about that that <clears throat> anticipation of that moment between okay I've got a roll and the dice are rolling and they come to a stop and what does it say and there's like that's a part of the game there's like an energy in that that I think we overlook as a as a real important mechanic in D and D, uh, and I think when you just like 
<clears throat> push a button and boom, you manage to just get a number. It doesn't feel the same. You don't feel like, I don't know, I just don't feel like the, the luck in it somehow. It's. I mean, it's the same. I mean, I mean, whatever computer algorithm there is, I, I don't know. But Yeah, well, this is just it. I don't know. Like, people talk about weighted dice. Like, you know, are you cheating because you've got, like, a, a special dice that's, you know, lopsided and always ends up on 20? Like, people are going to know. Um, do, the, do these bots that roll numbers, uh, how fair are those numbers? How, I don't know. I'm trusting that they are fair, whoever built them does that, but... You know, human nature loves the idea of luck, right? Do you feel lucky? And I just don't think digital numbers make me feel lucky. Uh, I like the physical thing. I mean, there's certainly an aspect to feeling lucky online, which I feel like is online gambling is definitely a thing. But it feels so rigged, right? Like, well, it's always rigged. I would, yeah, but it's just the the illusion is gone. The idea of like online roulette of a digital marble rolling around a thing versus actually seeing one in the the flesh in real life when hearing the clack 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 and watching the marble bounce around on a spinning wheel is i mean night and day different well the web well typically gambling websites try to make it seem like try to like build up the illusion by like giving it an animation or something like that to make you like give that anticipation or that like thrill to it you know, but I mean, it's the same with digital dice. There's just things that still roll it for you until they come to a stop. I mean, Google, you could open like a web page and say roll 1d20 and it'll roll a d20 for you, you know, and it'll have a little animation. You can add more, you can add modifiers to it. And for a long time, that's just what we'd use if we didn't have other tools. I mean, if we had just D&D Beyond, we didn't have any physical dice on us. We'd just use Google's system, which is fine. You know, it works. Yes, well... I still think as much as it's great that we can all find a way to get online and play, it's a, it's a poor substitute for meeting up in real person. Mm-hmm. I mean, what works is what works as long as I'm playing D&D at the end of the day. Um, you and I have been doing a little bit of uh, just playing one-on-one mm. battle map sort of stuff uh, quite a bit lately. I built... I think my favorite sorcerer. I think it's probably the favorite sorcerer I've, I've ever seen as well. You know, because typically I feel like there's not much creativity you can have. Like you either have like a wild magic sorcerer or like a edgy shadow sorcerer or you have like a dragon sorcerer, right? Well, and yeah, I mean, dragon sorcerers, I've seen a lot of them. Um, typically I've been just, I dismiss them because it's, you know, whatevs. But you had a really cool idea. You want to try to explain... What, what we did well I rolled up a random character with D&D Beyond's randomized features right. and if you don't know about this it's so easy to make a character using the random mm. button if you're willing just to play anything mm. yeah if you just want to play anything literally anything just hit the randomization button I mean I wouldn't take it to level 8 with the randomization button I just hit level 1 with the randomization and then build up from there right. and learn like how to take the build from there especially because then it can make decisions which clash and don't make sense as you get further and further along so what did it give you for race it gave me a deep gnome which I've never played before Schwerbnebly. I don't think that's right Schwerbnebly. nope that's wrong it sounds something like that Something it, like that. If you're saying it right, it sounds like you're playing a record backwards. I could edit the clip so it plays backwards to see what it sounds mm. like. Um, 
So yeah, crazy idea. Let's play a deep gnome. Deep gnome, right? So this is, remember, so we, we aren't role-playing this character hugely amount. Mm. This is mostly, we just put a battle map down the table, you come to the table with a character, you have a character idea, sometimes we add some sidekicks in if you need a little bit more help, and then I just cruise through the monster manual and find something appropriate sort of CR level for you. Um, and by monster manual, I mean the encounter builder in, on D&D Beyond. And uh, and for this one, I chose a... Uh, a death kiss. A death kiss. That's right. A beholder uh, kin? Never played one of those before. I played it sort of like a, like a Matrix-type seeker with its tentacles all like coming out and pulling itself down through the underdark caverns as it came for you. It mm. came to suck its life, the life out of you. Death kiss is formidable. Now it's when... Beholders dream things into existence, it's right? It's when they've dreamt, dreamt about blood loss or something. That's right, yeah. Which is uh, kind of a weird thing for everybody. When they dream about blood or things like that. So anyway, so tell us a bit more about that, the character. So you came up with a little bit of a backstory for him. I did, uh, and I thought... I, I did want to like explore different ideas for the sorcerer, and I think it was you who mentioned the Sapphire Sorcerer. The sapphire or the dragon. sapphire dragon that's right yeah yeah we were, um that was recently released well we were talking a little bit about what kind of dragon would live in the underdark ground. that's right and i'm not sure why the sapphire dragon came up <clears throat> in that conversation well, i think we were just like looking through like the terrain of different dragons you know whether it be coastal desert whatever and we came across one that said underdark and it was the sapphire Dragon, which yeah. was recently released as a fundraising sure. and thing. At the same time that their Sapphire Dice came out and mm. a few things like that. And I hadn't given it much a look. I knew there was gem dragons from previous editions. And it was psionic based, right? <clears throat> which is, yeah, which is kind of exciting, right? There's, you know, psionic stuff's uh, back in the news with D&D, and we're talking about that. We'll do another episode on that at another point. But, um, but yeah, so essentially... It's, you know, every dragon's got their their specific damage, damage type, type that they use, right? right? Um, and this one's thunder damage. Thunder damage, that's right. Very sort of sonic yeah. and I think sound based. I think a lot of us, when we think thunder damage, might think too literally that it's just like a big boom. But I don't think it should be. I think we should start thinking of sonic damage, mm-hmm. even as like resonant vibrating frequencies, you know, like the way... Uh, like an opera singer vibrates at a very high pitch, the right frequency can shatter a piece of glass. That a, I'd imagine like a sapphire dragon's breath weapon being this sort of psionic vibration, not psionic, but sonic vibration. They can like, you know, reverberate, um, you know, sound waves at a certain at certain varying frequencies i think the booming storm can still be present in it though like the storm sorcerer or whatever you know which is what you typically go through if you wanted to do a thunder sorcerer oh yeah and you look at the spells that way like shatter just is like uh could be like a similar sort of idea well even booming blade in in name is a boom you know yeah or thunderclaps as it makes the thunders boom or whatever right you can shape and flavor these things to be to be vibration based. You don't have to, but you can. Um, They could be different frequencies. They could be inaudible frequencies. They could be super high pitch things that knock out your equilibrium. They could be, you know, so I think there's a lot of ways you could do this. It isn't just like, you know, the amp turned up to 11. It doesn't just have to be. It doesn't just hurt your ears, you know, yeah. 
but it could be something a little bit more shaped, a little bit more... There are a lot of thunder spells. There's not... Also, what I've seen, there's not a lot of poison spells, and there's not a lot of thunder spells. Sure. So, so basically, you've chosen the Sapphire Dragon as Mm. your Draconic Bloodline. I thought that would be crazy. Like, it's not actually an option, but I chose the Blue Dragon, and I changed the damage type from Lightning to Thunder. Sure. Just in principle. And then started to look for thunder spells, which, like you said, there are aren't as many of like if you're really gonna like if you want to make the easiest uh drag draconic bloodline sorcerer go red go gold red go dragon fire yeah, just go fire with it man um take the you, elemental affinity yeah. for fire ignore resistance Element you know flat up and just yeah double down on it you can do lots of things with fire fire is so much everywhere it is like the lowest hanging fruit that's cool yeah i guess but that's the sit everybody does fire don't do fire. I, I, if you want to do fire, you can Don't do fire. Don't do fire. No, this is if where we clash. If you do fire out there, I promise you right now, you're boring. No. Don't be boring. Don't. That's not... That's discouraging. I think there's cool ways to do fire. Like, you could describe fire different, like differently. It could be... Because they have even things like green flame blades. So you could describe all of your flames as like this green, like weird, amorphous, twisted fire. Makes or makes think of the... the Maleficent villain from Sure. Why not? Her flames are always seem to be green. Definitely. Why not? You could have it like very ghostly will-o'-wisps or things like that, you know? You could like find that weird balance between them or like, I don't know, some sort of you could even cross, like find a cross between the shadow and and dragon thing or or a shadow dragon. You could be a happy-go-lucky almost Hmm? clown-like sorcerer and, and have like some sort of rainbow flames. Sure, why not? Why not? Or be like a part of your trick, you like throw up a little fire, a ring of fire in the air, and you just jump through it or something like that, you know? In <laughs> fact, uh, Sapphire Dragons. Sapphire, Sapphire Dragons are cool. They've got, um, I mean, very thematic. Lots to, of stuff to build off of. Uh, word of warning, you do have to unlock the Sapphire Dragon pack. Well, you don't really need to. Yeah, I mean, the stats are out there. It's all free anyways it's just if you want to support the fundraiser everything's already available you don't need to buy anything really all right we just did it because we want to support dnd beyond we're awesome like supporters all right Um, be a supporter uh so yeah it's it's a fun fun dragon with the thunder damage but it's also got some psionics built into it that was another concept of the spells because sometimes you can get trapped into like thinking why did i take these other spells you know like why would i take mirror image you know why would i take these other things right sorcerers should be focused classes wizards can be swiss army knives they can have all sorts of different options for different ideas but i think the best sorcerers are very thematic they're very tight we don't have many spells to choose from at all anyways i always think of sorcerers like mutants from the x-men like they're a, they've each one of them has got a theme of thing that they do and they do it really well and they can do it in a variety of different ways and that's the meta magic's always fun for like mixing it up and making it look very different from what wizards and warlocks and clerics and others do i mean it's what gives them their flair it's like the only thing that makes their spells different sure. like warlocks have two slots but they always cast to the highest level plus they've got invocations which and, modify them plus I mean, they've got yeah, crazy stuff along with that less swiss army knife because they don't have to make slots to play with so they got to kind of well their swiss army knife comes from like their fate, their role is the charisma based thing, and that can be complemented with invocations. And there's just so much custom, like so much role play potential, and so much customization with warlocks, which I think is really their appeal. Yeah, don't make a hex play this boring. 
I mean, if you want to make a hex blade that's cool, that's not boring. Right. If you love playing hex blades, that's not boring to you. Just my dad, the dragon he is. You're not a sapphire dragon, that's for no, sure. No, I'm a, I'm a, I am as in my older age now. Like I've come like a full circle. Like I've gone from the, you know, coming back to to fifth edition after a long break and being an old like first edition sort of guy, going, what the hell, dwarves are wizards? When did that happen? That cat's wrong. That's just and what are these dragonborn things? That's a terrible idea. Tieflings. I don't even want to look at this. Um, of course, to embracing all of that. Uh, to now getting to a point where I find that not doing I, something weird I is see, well, this or is, not I just see the weird. same tropes and I know it's genre based so the idea is you want to play these obvious tropes again and again but <clears throat> come on folks like if you've played one hex blade don't play another hex blade if you you know you've got a friend who always plays tiefling hex blades like campaign after campaign what's wrong with him don't be mean he's he's doing he's doing what he enjoys to do out of D &D, you know i mean if that's what he loves to build then i'm not gonna stop him i just wonder if he's like where he's gonna reach out and it's just what he likes to play Mm. you know and we're just not those people we love to see crazy ideas and that's why i love my sapphire dragon sorcerer because it doesn't work rules is written you know and there's so much like there's only five subclasses like for the sorcerer which is one of the lowest subclass counts overall like wizards have like easily over 10 like same with clerics they have an abundance of subclasses but like like classes like the ranger sorcerer which are lacking and people feel like there's like not enough customization or not enough to make them stand out or feel special is because one other classes can cover what they have or they, they're just used to be multi-classed into for a specific thing. Like, oh, we're oh, we're doing an Underdark thing? I guess I'll drop one level in Ranger to get Underdark. Like, terrain stuff, right? Or I'm like, oh, I really need to do this with my spells to, like, optimize my build. I'll take three levels in Sorcerer to get the meta magic, right? And that's the only reason they'll really take it. Or they'll only take a subclass that complements their thing. Or they'll just take Wild Magic, right? Because it's the most neutral, down-the-middle thing, you know? But I feel like there's just not enough for sorcerers to feel special anymore because the the only customization you have really is your subclass and you only got five choices and then of course there's your spells but there's so many other classes with that same choice or better larger spell lists or have more choice in spells to really branch out thematically or get free spells prepared for them which let them be customized ahead of time or step outside of their class to get that feel where there is none of that for sorcerers they don't get special spells for their spell list because of their subclass yeah, I just think somehow just in the design and and this is like no fault of like I'm not pointing fingers at, at, at the you know guy, good people at uh, D&D I'm sure Jeremy Crawford and, and friends you know thought this through as best they could but the the way that sorcerers set up in order to make these really great sort of mutants, people who've been born with a particular bloodline or soul. Um, and that's actually, right there is already your, a sort of a bit of a, of a trick with most subclasses for most of the other classes have a, a very clear sort of a nomenclature to it. You know, you're the path of something or you're the order of something or you're the circle of something. Whereas the 
um, the sorcerers, the idea of whether they're a soul or a bloodline is kind of muddled a little bit. I don't think it's, I mean, it's just getting the naming thing aside. I think that trying to think up more and more of these ideas of, of what kind of blood did you have in you or what kind of soul or something reincarnated and however you came about, you were just born with these powers with mutation or something that the, that then dictates your, your sort of theme of your character and your build to be nice and tight around that you know what would that particular bloodline give you and i think that's why i really i've seen this now with the draconic bloodline a few times and it's it's kind of cool if you can find the right group of spells to sort of build around it and that you can stay as a player really focused on building your spells thematically together so you were saying like the psionic stuff like you were decided to pick up things like catapult which was pretty cool because the sapphire dragon has a telekinesis ability i also took telekinesis as a spell and yeah so the ability to sort of do similar things that the sapphire dragon did trying to get inspired by the reason behind my magic especially because the sapphire dragon does have quite an extensive write-up and especially since it has just sort of the perfect combination because literally in its write-up it talks about how it can like make sort of symbiotic relationships with yeah. deep gnome societies. It actually talks about how deep gnomes and sapphire dragons, which it's just the perfect, perfect combination, right? you know. Yeah. It just like felt like it was meant to be. And I've never seen anyone play a deep gnome sorcerer that isn't rules as written. I mean, it was the simplest change. I didn't have to write a whole new subclass. I just needed to switch one damage type, which is really all that the yeah. And you're not breaking the game by switching thunder for lightning. If anything, nah, lightning for thunder. Yeah. Yeah, you're. That you've nerfed yourself in some yeah, ways. because there's less there's fewer, thunder there spells. There's fewer thunder spells to pick up than there are lightning mm-hmm. spells. Um, so, yeah. But that, again, that only concentrates you a little bit more on picking the ones that are very thematic. Um, and, yeah. It, uh, it was a really fun build. We're actually going to... We typically use our little battle maps to sort of playtest character ideas. And then we move on. But I think we're going to run another one. I want to continue playing him. Because this is the first time I built a character. And I feel like this is actually a cool character concept. And it was a random one. Because it was just randomly generated. And it just came together. Which is kind of crazy. So (laughs) anybody out there who's like fretting over what to build for this campaign. Just hit the random button. Just like. I was actually looking at on Twitter. There's some polls that have been going around. You know what's the best class to play. And one of my favorite sort of responses to that was. Uh, the class that nobody else at the table is playing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I think that's the truth. Like, like you know, what do you want to play? I'll, I'll play, I'll play whatever we need to have on the team. What 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 don't we have? Right. I mean, there's communication. You don't want to all be five rogues or whatever. You know. Uh, well, unless you do, unless you. Unless that's the idea. <laughs> unless you know? the idea. That's the campaign. Um, you know. And and there's enough subclasses you could do five still very different characters if you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, that would actually be a really strange. Like, I, 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 and I know, like, maybe it's just again too obvious, but I immediately my mind jumps to running that as like a, a, a heist. heist yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's just plenty of ideas. You get like four characters playing monks, and then do like Journey of the West or like an, a camp yeah, yeah. idea like that. You know, yeah. just have an Asian spin on it, or do whatever you need to to like have that make sense in your journey. And there's just so much, like, like, like variety. Like, you could all play different classes. 
right? Which is what most players do, you know? Yeah. And that's great. You know, we try to find balance. It's not necessarily even metagaming. It's just what people want to play. And we let that sort of play out and people bounce each other, you know, because if you don't realistically, if you don't have a certain role, you're going to feel it, you know, like if you're all fighters, you're going to realize you don't have a healer. I've got a game that we're playing that again, we, we ever just, nobody coordinated their character builds. So it's a little bit clumpy. Um, We have nobody who's really good at investigation checks. Our 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 intelligence across the board is meh. <laughs> um, so that it is a slight problem um, when it comes to I mean we don't have anybody with real with a real solid bonus to put on the dice. So when it comes to investigation it's like pick any of us where any of us are as good as anybody else i know a magic item to fix that at negative numbers we try to like have them avoid having to do the rolls if we can but the rest of us who've just got straight rolls it's like all right here we go Mm. um who feels lucky tonight i mean as a dm what i would do to balance that out is eventually if you went on some sort of quest the reward would be the headband of intellect which i know boosts someone intelligence and i'd give that let the players decide what to do with that you know and let someone bump up their intelligence as a reward you know if i feel like that gap is missing and it's really hurting the gameplay or it's making like struggles and trying to find out who's going to fit that role i just have like at the like their reward would be something that makes up for that you know know, the headband of intellect there's one of the characters in it that actually has already got a sort of cursed headband stuck on her forehead um at the moment not a headband of intellect uh no it's a controlling one in this sort of realm that we're the shadow realm or mirror realm that we're in right now um but it would be cool if at the end of that if like we did succeed somehow that uh that that turned into that sort of treasure i mean it's up to the dm at the end of the day i'm just saying like you should send message him for me i don't i know i'll let him let him listen to this podcast (laughs) um so yeah that's uh those are sort of our late night fight night things um We've been trying a lot of them. I mean, well, we've got a lot of resources. The dragon can do is the teleport. That's we're, right, right. I picked up the that. Misty Step spell and the Thunder Step spell. Worked out so well because the anytime the Death Kiss did manage to get its little tentacles on you, and if you don't know <laughs> what Death Kiss are like a beholder with all these like ten long tentacles that come out with little mouths at the end of them mm-hmm. instead of eyes, sort of, and they've got a little like electricity that sort of zips and zaps around them, and they sort of suck energy out of you if they get their uh, tentacles stuck on you. And, uh, and yeah, so it basically, if it hits, it grapples and restrains and that would suck bad for you. But thanks to your, uh, Misty Step and Thunder Step, you were able to, uh, get out of there. Thunder Step is honestly the perfect spell in that scenario. Not only does it do thunder damage and that whole idea for that theme, but it also has the teleportation feature, which is another big part of the silent, of the Sapphire Dragon, right? Yeah. And we, in, for terrain too, I, I homebrewed up some fun mushroom fungus things that allowed us to, um, that allowed us to combine gas spores, which are another type of beholder thing, with uh, with sort of mushrooms that were growing in certain rocks and things around the area, and you could then use your, you know, your various powers to sort of erupt those gas spores to do damage because in your what was the what was the spell that the six level spell that you burned that turned the tide oh otherworldly form a one of the new spells released and we can get into all of those new so, spells right. and magic tattoos well, in another episode but well otherworldly form this is like this is a 
a real clutch spell, I think, though, for mm-hmm. especially for for a dragon type sorcerer. At it's a sixth level spell, so you got to be sixth level. You got to be at least twelfth level, eleventh level, eleventh level. Yeah, to get there. So, but that that was a game changer. It was. Yeah, I, mean, I know you burned that. That's a big spell slot to dump, but it was like on your ass, like in a bad way, and you were getting kind of hurt in the first half of that sort of game in a way it wasn't mm. and then you turned it that around spell. Yeah. i was faster than it i had quickened meta magic so i could just keep on dealing but damage and running away you, you know? had immunity from poison that's right so the gas spores no longer proved an issue yeah but meanwhile it it does not have immunity mm. to poison so you're able to keep, start using those those mushrooms which were a danger to you earlier in the the, the game to turn that into a tactical advantage for being able to blow them up. And it was a bit of a homebrew use of the feature, because typically it asks you if you want to have like a, a angelic or demonic form with it, right. but I went for a draconic form with it. And I think, it. again, these are, these are the sort of things that, as a DM, you should let players do. Like, it, especially for something as, as clear of a type build as a sorcerer. If you have somebody building a sorcerer in your campaign, like somebody's uh, playing that, uh, as a DM, you should be super supportive of any little tweaks to spells. That, I mean, of course, talk about it. You know, don't yeah, let them I mean, be what the I'm most saying, broken. As a DM, like you should be super supportive of letting them, because hmm? I mean, the idea of moving it from a demonic form to a draconic, it just draconic did nothing. Doesn't I mean again? The only thing it changes is how I describe, like the resistance I get, and I ch- or the immunity actually gives you immunity to either necrotic or radiant, and I instead chose thunder, which is honestly again, hey, not a game breaker. Not a game breaker, but just makes sense in and terms of my character. It's build. thematic and it's more fun, and it focuses that sorcerer to being that that mutant. So that almost that point where you you almost like Hulk out, like this little bit of a okay, I burn my six level slot. I gain my sapphire wings. And little wings you know. come out, and you become a little bit more draconic, and there you go. You know, you know. suddenly everything starts to. And it did. It was a perfect game, game changer. changer. Yeah, it let and me. As your top level spell slot should be. Yeah. If you burn it, it should make a huge difference on the map, and it did. Um, it went from you went from nearly dying in two gonna, rounds. This is going to kill me. Yeah. To no, no, it's not. We're gonna we're gonna fight our way back on this. Mm. And you did at that point. It did. It slowly started to turn, but did turn. Because I could move faster than it could. It could stay out of its reach, but it had to keep it had to keep using its action to dash to sort of get closer to you. And it, it does have a twenty foot reach with those tentacles, which is a huge reach for mm. a, a melee attack. But with my quick and uh, meta magic I could dash as my action, you know, and get eighty feet away from it. So you could you you managed to get some distances and also using things cleverly like shatter or yeah, misty step and uh, thunder step thunder and step to in order to get aim, out of there yeah train advantage and to get away from grapples and things and that was quite clever. Mm. There are some monsters resistant or immune to thunder, which would be interesting to go up against, given that's my whole build, you know. But I guess and and like I guess I haven't been doing that most of the time when we do these play test things, we play test. To, to see if you're... So we do some homebrew things as well that are, who knows, possibly horribly broken. Mm-hmm. And so we throw them on the map and we roll through them. And so you had one that was a swarm killer. Mm-hmm. So obviously I needed to throw swarms at you to sort of see 
how good or bad or overpowered or underpowered that whole swarm killing feature was. And so we had tried a few, you know, a variety of different things. And I even homebrewed up a swarm of pixies just to sort of buff up a swarm mm. a little bit, make them a little, make it a little bit more, you know, like a magical swarm that had like swarm of pixie dust that it could like hit you with mm. and things. Um, and yeah, that was fun. That, uh, but then again, we proved in that one that. Like you, you were like very quickly like yeah I need to cut the damage on that by half and mm-hmm. yeah whenever we homebrew we typically always overcook right so you gotta let simmer a little bit like yeah. test it out see what's bubbling up you know and then yeah. make little changes to it you know and this is I think a great thing to be doing in the time of of quarantines and whatnot you don't have to run a big campaign all the time just mm-hmm. pull out your battle map play it like a, a board game that you're going to play for the next couple of hours, um, throw a character on it, throw a monster on it. If as a DM, you want to say, add some a little bit more variety and stuff. Uh, look at the sidekick rules. There are so many cool sidekick supplements out there as well, by the way. Um, I, the more I read into other people that the sidekicks that people have cooked up, the more I love them, the more I want them in the game. And I think it's fun. The idea of as a DM, I'll do all the RP for your sidekick, but you get to decide as a player where they go and what the, who they attack and things like that. Um, but then we can still have some banter possibly between mm-hmm. you and the sidekick and things like that throughout the, I think that's the other thing um, I want to do more of. We've been kind of sticking to tactics and stuff on the map and playing try as, some more RP. Well, playing it as if we are playing, with five people at the table where you want to try and keep combat moving quickly and efficiently where we definitely have time if we want we're doing one-on-one to to yeah it sort of bend the six second rule a little bit and let both the hero and the villain have more of a an exchange or the hero and the sidekick uh, to talk things through a little bit. And I think as a DM, this then puts a little bit more pressure on me because I can't just randomly pick a CR, you know, uh, appropriate character, monster and throw it on the map. I got to think a little bit about its motivation. I got to be like, okay, why is it here? What's it doing? What does it want? Um, and come up with a, uh, hopefully sort of uh, morally challenging thing for your character to decide well, you, sometimes you just want to hack and slash. Come on. Man. I know, but I like, I like, okay, I have to hack and slash, but I feel bad about it. I like that. <sighs> I don't want to feel bad in my D&D games all the time. <laughs> Why can't we just have fun? Why do I have to think about all these moral questions? That was questions? the thing with the swarm, swarm killer guy. Did you feel the end that? Nope, he's a robot. I made him I made him a Warforge, so he didn't care about ethics. He right. was just told to exterminate, so he exterminated. Yeah, and you, uh, as, as much as I tried to make you feel bad for going into the forest and killing all these lovely nature creatures you were like nope don't nope. care burning it down we're building a mini mall here that's right the king wants a mini mall we're clearing out the riffraff I never said I was lawful good mm. and I think that's fun to this idea sometimes that um, the idea that you know good is a perspective mm-hmm. you know I work for the king I'm loyal to the king the king is good the king wants a mini mall here we're clearing out the the riffraff in the the forest i mean yeah 
That's a funny idea. We've been lucky to have these opportunities, you know, to play, you know, because many people don't have people they're living with who want to play D&D with them or don't have a battle map or don't have minis or don't have any of those pieces. And they'll need to rely to theater of the mind or... We don't have all the minis in the... We have minis, though. We have character, little basic character things. You've been painting new things yeah. we've discovered all your old little things from way back when from all the way shipped from canada that we had yeah they've been following me around for 30 years <laughs> um yeah. just painting them now well repainting some of the paint jumps from the 80s were terrible so um yeah i've been repainting them as in, in actual like groups of like mm. color coordinated little uh armies frankly we have all the minis we need realistically i mean sure they don't look exactly like what we want all the time sure. but we have what we need if, the, if they're large you've got something that's large size we have large size things you know we uh, don't have huge size have things huge. but we can cut out pieces of we paper did. and put we them had, on things put like the, that you know put the, the bigger yeah three by three square many people i mean i remember a time when we had no minis we had no battle map and i just had to use my whiteboard and people guess how far is that and i say mm, 90 feet you know, and they bet, and, oh. and it worked. And it worked, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm grateful that we now do have a battle map and how much more satisfying it is to yeah. use. And now that we have all these pieces, like you've ordered, like the, what's it called? A fantasy battlegrounds, what's Wait, it called? So, no, it's called uh, Dungeon Craft. Dungeon Craft, right? Yes. And if you've, you've not seen Dungeon Craft, Dungeon Craft is uh, an awesome little, uh, it's a small box full of sheets of beautifully laminated terrain drawings and you cut them out with scissors and you've got rocks and you've got trees and you've got uh, forests and caves and you've got lavas and you've got river streams and you've got and they're reversible so you flip them back and forth there's different things each side with a few sheets of just um, and we use this sometimes as well for uh, if you need monsters or you need horses you need carts uh, we had a good one with you and a friend uh, sort of a slightly different battle map where you guys had to get the cart from one side to the other uh, sort of protect the payload sort of style and uh, and I just kept throwing more and more things at you and you guys you guys fought your way through that um, and again having to just move rem- remembering that moving the cart was uh, the objective not necessarily having to kill everything that was fun that was a good one it was fun. and that was all thanks to to the uh dungeon craft box of things i i really like that box for just adding color to your map i mean we can always draw like we did the underdark we just drew cave stuff on our you know dry erase battle map Mm. um everybody should get dry erase battle map they're awesome um and and i actually even think the dungeon craft stuff's good just for being able to throw on a few rocks a few this that it really brings a lot of life uh and fun in a very easy way i mean I'm not, not necessary. I'm not, yeah. But it's also like, you know, I, I love the actual plays, um, watching them on Twitch or YouTube, where people have got the just fantastic Dwarven Forge. I mean, Critical Role is, yeah. goes above and beyond well, but how I, Matt I, does I, it, I don't watching know. Watching Into the Mist, start watching it, and the sets they've got on that are fantastic as well. Um, whole small villages and towns built, like it's crazy awesome when you see these giant 3d maps but look that's a big commitment and trying to store all those parts and pieces and everything is a big big job 
uh, beautiful thing about I think the what I like about the dungeon craft stuff is it's all flat pack. It's all like you know I've got thousands of options that you know fit in a you know a, you know I guess it's like eight eight by twelve box or something. It's it's yeah like the size of a piece of paper, um, you know in a centimeter or two thick. And that's it. And, you know, everything you need in there. Mind you, they've got some new ones coming out. Uh, I just saw a Kickstarter. Uh, I guess it's probably funded already, uh, or uh, but it's still still going. I like I like these guys so much. Uh, they've got one right now. It's like uh, more castle pieces, as well as cursed lands. So if you're building, as I am, a gothic horror setting, or like playing in that space, and I really love playing in that Ravenloft type space. They've got a box coming out, so I'm backing the heck out of that one. Quite excited to get that, um, and I think there's that. It's also, they've also got some more battle maps with that, so we can add a couple more different colored terrain maps to our collection as we sort of build it out. And I think that's all you need. Like you know, it it doesn't have to be. You don't have to have like tons of terrain, um, but a few like little few little extra accents to it really make a huge difference for how much fun. Uh, the map becomes mm. I mean just our experiences playing with one another you know and how easy it has been you just have a little bit of blue tack and stick some pieces on you know yeah we just use a little tiny dot of blue tack just to keep it from sliding around mm. I mean it's been very very helpful we don't have the biggest table but it allows us to do I mean it really sort of in some ways brings it to life you know gives character to the map and lets me sort of visualize what's going on you know like just like the little like pieces you can add to it, like little stones here and there that just add small terrain bits that you wouldn't have thought of before that like makes the combat a little more interesting, you know, or pillars that you can put up or a little like pentagram, whatever, you know, spaces as well. Um, mm. I've got a, I've got a really like deep and old love affair with tavern settings. Um, I think again, as much as I am a grumpy old man and complaining about, tropes that are overdone and for a while I was also like don't start in a tavern because everybody always starts D&D in a tavern I think if you're going to start a tavern or eventually you're going to end up in uh, some sort of inn or something in D&D eventually um, just make your inns and taverns like really really exciting and interesting and different and put crazy mm-hmm. weird stuff in them anyways these are crazy weird builds for their taverns necessarily but I do love the idea of running a I've got a few really fun tavern adventure type ideas. Well, yeah. I mean, just mix it up, you know, make it a tavern run by goblins, you know, or something like that. Where the rules are flipped on their heads or, you know, all sorts of crazy things. You could have like an underdark thing and it's a tavern run by flumps or something weird, you know, or that, um, like the yawning portal, the they have a little, bar. the flump bar. Yeah. Oh no. We've just walked into a flump bar. Ugh, you never want to go to a flump bar. Um, what else do we have to talk about today? I think that covers it. I mean, I, I do want to save some some things for another episode, talking more about perhaps some of the the psionic stuff, some of the new content yeah, coming out. I think there's a there's a lot to talk about in the psionics, and we're sort of coming up uh, towards the end of the episode. Um, so we'll save that one for a next episode. Um, Any other messages, things we want to send out love to people out there? We want to send love out to everyone, 
D&D players, Hexblade players. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Hexblade players. You're okay. You're okay. We you're we okay. send our love to you. We send to love all to all of you in these hard times. You know. And for Swiss Army knife sorcerers. And <laughs> builds, like characters that are all over the place. Look, yeah, I, I when I say these things, I say them with love to try and encourage people to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. to try and make characters that are that that push themselves outside their comfort zones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you will discover and explore like both more about yourself, but also more about the game. It'll take you to more exciting places. Uh, challenge yourself. Don't just. I guess that's what I'm saying. Just don't keep doing the same old thing. Um, try try something new. Try to push the boundaries a little bit. Uh, I think he'll surprise you and how much you'll enjoy it. Mm. But one more thing I want to say. We have recommended a lot of things which do require purchase. You know, but if money is tight... And I know in these times it probably is. Then don't feel like you have to buy these things to be a good D&D player, you know? It's just what we've enjoyed using. Sure. And... I, I, I played for a decade on graph paper alone. Mm. I mean, even theater of the mind, even if you had no physical board, you know, the fact that you're you're actively going to play with those, whether they are miles away from you or right next to you, you know, the fact that you are playing is admirable and I think is healthy, you know, and it doesn't really matter how you play D&D, you know, there's no right way to play D&D, you know. Uh, well, actually, I think the, the way to say that is there's no wrong way to play D&D. Oh, right. Nope. There's no right way to do it. If you're it's, playing it, you're, you've, you gone you've gone wrong already. already. Turn around. You've gotten yourself into a right what mess. What are you doing? Don't play D&D. It's terrible. That's right. And that's the takeaway from this episode. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.